Hello, and welcome to Yara's Haunt. I am Yara, and I am here to share with you stories of the horrific, strange, bizarre, and terrifying. Let us go then, together, into a realm of fear. I promise to bring you back safely. My younger brother died this past February. I should have known it was coming. As kids, we were really close, my brother and I. Spent all our time looking for toads in the backyard and chasing snakes. He was the creative type. Ended up a writer. Kind of a hotshot, too. We were still pretty close, even when the money came rolling in. These last few months, though, things got a little different. Philip just sort of faded out of my life. It's not that I didn't try to keep in contact with him. It's that he just shut down. He retreated into that big house he bought like a turtle crawling into its shell. He gradually stopped answering his phone, replying to my texts, replying to my emails. I guess it was just growing pains. Actually, I was more than a little miffed by the whole experience. I've always been so proud of Philip, you know? I was never anything special sort of drifting through school and out of college with a useless degree and no real ambition for anything. But Philip, he had talent. When he put his pen to paper, stories poured out onto the page like golden honey. I always wondered how he could live with all those stories in his head. He told me once that he couldn't, that's why he had to let them out somehow. If he kept them locked up inside, they'd drive him crazy. I really should have known. I hadn't heard from Philip in two months when my phone lit up in the middle of the night. Through my mother's tears, I managed to gather what had happened. I jumped out of bed and drove to her side. The image of my brother swinging from his garage ceiling burned into my eyes. I was numb, thinking that was just like Philip, to pick such a dramatic death. Funnily enough, it was a few days before I wondered why he would even do it in the first place. Maybe that's what denial really is, not denying the death itself but denying its implications. After Philip died, there was the problem of his estate. He didn't have a will, didn't leave a note. What were we supposed to do with his belongings? More than that, what were we going to do with the house? I say house, but it's really more of a mansion. Philip always had a flair for the theatric. And the first time I saw the house with its stone lions and countless empty rooms, I could imagine Philip pacing through its halls wildly as a story struggled out of his pen, gasping for life. I knew it was exactly the place Philip belonged. So maybe it won't seem strange to you that I moved into his house. Just up and moved, packed all of my shit and settled down where my brother had offed himself. It seemed wrong, but it felt like home. I got a job in the town nearby and figured I'd just stay in the house until Mom and I figured out what we were going to do with it. No harm in that, anyway. The first few days I ghosted up and down the wide hallways, my hands trailing lightly along the walls, wondering if Philip had touched them in this way, too. I wandered in and out of rooms, taking note of the things Philip had brought from our old home, the things he had bought himself, the things I had given him. I didn't touch any of that. I knew I would have to one day, but for now neither my mother nor I had the heart to move any of it. I moved into a guest bedroom and left everything else perfectly in place. Some parts of the house Philip clearly never used. The basement, for one. For such a nice house, the basement was surprisingly bare, with its expanse of decrepit walls and discolored floors. I didn't bother stalking through the endless hallways down there. 
If Philip hadn't been there, there was no meaning. The attic, too, was surprisingly empty, despite being the perfect place for storage. There were a few other rooms here and there that were left alone. Philip never really got settled into the home he loved so much. While I lived there, it was like living in limbo. Everything seemed ready for the day that Philip would come back. It felt like I was waiting for him, too. But I still wasn't prepared for when it happened. I came home from work one day, utterly exhausted. I hadn't really been sleeping lately. Every time I came close to sleep, visions of my brother's dangling body would pop into my head, and I'd hear the creaking sound of the rope swinging under his weight. No good. I'd rather stay awake. I got home and trudged up the stairs to the guest bathroom. I stared at the mirror for a few minutes in mute silence, memorizing every aspect of it. The gold gilt frame, the small chip on the left side, and the words, Did you miss me? scrawled across the front in red lipstick. My vision swam and I stumbled out towards my bed. Was my lack of sleep giving me hallucinations? Was I dreaming right now? Could be. All I'd had lately were nightmares. If I'd been able to sleep at all, maybe this was all one big nightmare. A few minutes of willing myself to wake up and the ensuing frustrated tears proved that no, it was not a dream. It was very real. Too real. Even so, I dragged myself into my bed. I'd held off sleep as long as I could. I'd reached my limit. Everything felt fuzzy and strange. My brain barely made sense of the situation, which is probably why I was so calm. I passed out for 13 hours. 13 long, torturous hours. 13 hours of that swaying body, that creaking, and nothing else. When I woke up, the message was gone. All part of my fatigued brain. Either that or some cruel trick of nature. Perhaps both? It didn't matter. It was gone now. Things were normal for a few days. My resolve weakened and I gave in to sleep, as horrible as my dreams were. They drained my spirit and left me lifeless, a body without a soul, wandering through a life that was no longer my own. A week later, I received another message. This one was a post-it note stuck to the fridge in the first floor kitchen. Milk. Eggs. Sugar. Lipstick. Pee. I couldn't explain this away, no matter how hard I tried. I picked the paper up and held it between my fingers, running my fingertips across the messy script. Philip's handwriting only got this messy when he was really on a roll, trying to push the story out of the pen before it fell limp at his feet. It was almost as though he'd scrawled off the note during one of his sessions. That's what he used to call it when he got really into a story, so far into it that he couldn't see reality anymore. I walked through the house, clutching that note like it could save my life, like it could save Philip's. After I'd exhausted myself, I fell asleep with the note balled up in my fist. I woke up a few hours later to the sound of music. It was floating up from the downstairs, Queen, my brother's favorite. He'd put it on every night when he studied. It drove my mom crazy. I'd learned to live with it. I let the music guide me to the living room when my brother's iPod was plugged into the stereo. I'd walked through the house hundreds of times, memorizing every single inch of my brother's life, and I knew for a fact that this iPod had never been plugged into this machine. It should have been sitting at his bedside table. 
I fell to the ground and held my hands against my head as strains of somebody to love pounded into my ears. This couldn't be real, could it? And what if it was? I hadn't asked for this. Of course I wanted my brother back, but I wanted the real him back, not all of these little reminders of the man he had been. I got fired from my job the next week. I'd stopped showing up, opting to sit at home and wait for the next message to appear. Oftentimes there'd be notes on scraps of paper strewn throughout the house. Nothing very important, usually an address here or there, a little have a nice day, love you, to someone who had once been special. Sometimes there was more. It all came to a head one night when I left my computer open for Philip. It was out of curiosity, really. I wanted to see if he would show up, if he would write something for me, something especially for me. If we were going to communicate, I wanted it to be direct. Some small part of my mind was still rational, but for the most part I'd abandoned myself to the fantasy of my brother coming out of his coffin. I woke up to an open word document. Hi David! Hi David! Hi David! Hi David! Hi David! Did you miss me? 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 I like it here. I like it. Come follow me, David. I got really, really drunk that day. I mean, really fucking drunk. I didn't know what else to do, so I got wasted. What I was talking to, could it really be Philip? I don't think so anymore. If it were Philip, he wouldn't want to scare me. And this was scaring the fucking shit out of me. A thought started to seep into my brain, fighting through my drunken haze to make itself heard. Maybe this was why Philip killed himself. There was something, something about this house, something deep inside, festering, creeping, crawling. It had reached out its slimy claws and taken a hold of Philip, drew him into the garage with all that rough old rope. Philip couldn't escape. My baby brother didn't commit suicide, he was practically murdered. No, scratch that. He was definitely murdered. And now was it reaching for me? You know, to this day I thank myself that I got so drunk. Because if I'd been in my right mind, I never would have called the police crying about Philip. Something got Philip. Stole him away. It came for him and now it's coming for me. I want Philip back. Please give him back. Please! I was later told that I wouldn't answer any of the questions the police asked. I just kept blubbering over the phone until they decided to trace the call and send someone over to check on me. When the cops arrived, they saw the notes. All the notes I'd saved from whatever was stalking me. They listened to me crying about those nightmares, Philip's dead body, the creaking that never stopped. Even then I could hear the creaking, always in the back of my mind. Fortunately, the cops heard the creaking too and they followed it down to the basement, deep in the back of the basement. Did you know I was right about Philip? I was right about being stalked, too. But the question wasn't what was stalking me, it was who. From early on in our childhood, I knew Philip was gay. Mom knew, too, but we wanted to wait for him to tell us, for him to feel comfortable enough to broach the subject naturally. I loved him no matter what. Why would his sexuality change the way I felt? It was just him, and I loved him. 
but what I didn't love was his taste in men. He liked the strong, arrogant types. I watched him lust after the asshole jocks in his class. In my mind, I always thought he could do better. I always wanted to warn him away from those types. I knew what cruelty they were capable of. My sweet baby brother with his eyes constantly glued to his notebooks. No one would ever be good enough for him. I never imagined he'd go for a psychopath, however. Based on the interrogation, the police guessed that Philip met Will when he'd first moved into the area. They'd been in a relationship for quite some time when they hit the rocks. If you talk with Will for two minutes, you'll see that he's paranoid. He's batshit crazy. I'm guessing that my brother didn't deal with it very well. Philip reported Will missing a few months before his death. At this point, their relationship was rocky at best, but Philip was concerned that Will had hurt himself. The cop who filed the missing person report spoke to me about the incident. Philip had been frantic, crying that it had been his fault, that they'd had a fight and now Will was gone. Except that Will was never gone. My brother never went into that basement. It never occurred to him that someone would be hiding down there. Will told us gleefully how he tortured Philip. He'd left notes around the house telling him it was all his fault. He'd left dead animals on Philip's doorstep. He'd written his name over and over in blood so that Philip would be reminded every time he woke up about his missing lover. But it's the last part, the very last part that broke my heart, that sucked away a piece of my soul. The police found photos in Will's little camp in the basement. Photos of him and Philip engaging in intimate activities. Photos of Philip wearing makeup, applying lipstick, picking out dresses. Will actually giggled when he told us he'd mailed the photos to Philip, claiming to have mailed them to us, his family, as well. Philip was so horrified that we knew. So horrified that he hung himself. He actually thought we'd hate him for being gay. He never knew how much I loved him. I wondered why Will had bothered staying in that house and coming after me. He mentioned briefly about the suicide note he found. It was addressed to me, and that made Will want to hurt me too. Will's eyes had turned intense and solemn as he told the police this. When they asked to see the note, he said about giggling again. He said it was gone, that he'd burned it away. No matter how many times they questioned him, he wouldn't tell them what the note said. And now I'll never know what Philip had wanted to tell me. Will didn't just murder Philip, he took my mom as well. When she heard what Will told the police, she simply broke down into nothing. She mostly just sits and stares out the window now. There isn't much to her anymore. As for me, I'll never know what is true and what isn't. Will is crazy. Who knows what parts of his stories were lies, what parts were true. But in my heart, I know the one thing I'll ever have to know. How much I hurt Philip. The pain he carried in his heart because I never made it apparent to him that I'd always support him, always love him. I'm sorry I failed you, Philip. I'm going to make it up in the only way I know how. Because Will taught me the importance of family. And you know something? I bet he has one too. And I'll be seeing them very soon. Tonight's story was entitled, I Should Have Known, and was written by Rona Vassilar. Rona and her stories can be found through her Facebook page. 
The music for this episode was downloaded under the Creative Commons license at freemusicarchive.org or utilized through fair use. The music for this episode was written by Westy Reflectory and Lee Rosevere, a ninja slob drew me, Happiness in Aeroplanes, North Hive, and Queen. Narration and production was done by Derek Penrod. Questions? Comments? Suggestions? Would you like your story, music, or artwork featured in another episode? Contact Yara at yarashaunt at gmail.com. Like us on Facebook or follow us on Twitter at Yara's Haunt. Thank you for listening, and may your fear be sharpened.